0: Fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. I am delighted to be back with you and we've got a cracker of a show for you this week. Here's what's coming
1: up. In the older days when LinkedIn was maybe a little more lenient, you might be able to get 700 connection requests in per week.
0: Also got another book suggestion for you towards the end of the podcast this week. It's from traction expert Rebecca Finken. We're also going to be talking about what makes the very best About Us page on your website. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Let me ask you a really stupid question Are you busy? Have you got too much on? Have you got too many things that you have to do? Do you get to the end of the day each day and you're like, whoa, where did today go? How is it already whatever o'clock? How is it that I haven't achieved enough today? I haven't got half the things done that I wanted to get done on my task list. Is is this you? Does this happen to you on a regular basis? Now, the chances are high that if that is you, the things that you're spending your time doing are not necessarily critical tasks. They're not necessarily important things that build the business, that drive the business forward. Maybe you're stuck doing levels of support that perhaps are a little bit under you, and it's okay as the owner of the business to say that line one support is a little bit underneath you. Or maybe you're just being caught up doing admin stuff, other things. You'll have heard me say many times on this podcast that you should only do what only you can do, and that you should operate your business and your life with a spirit of DOA, that being an acronym, not standing for dead on arrival, but instead standing for delegate, outsource, automate. And I think every business owner reaches a point where they're just so busy. They're too busy and they're busy doing the wrong things. We kind of pride ourselves as business owners, don't we? On being busy. You know, you meet someone when you're out networking and it's it's almost a badge of honor of, oh, I worked 18 hours yesterday and I only slept three hours and there's blood gushing out my eyes. I'm so tired. People do do that. It is like a badge of honor. It's almost like it makes you a proper business owner if you work 18 hour days now and again. i tell you what, it also makes you a really awful parent and a really awful husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever it is that you are. Because when you throw yourselves, even if you do 12-hour days on a regular basis, you are not a normal human being when you get home. You are as far from a normal human being as you can possibly be. The goal is that you spend as much of your time as you can only doing the things that truly, truly only you can do and this starts with eliminating the small tasks that someone else can do for you i call these red tasks And the reason I call them that is because when I'm tracking my time and I'm still using my time alert tracker that I was talking about last year. In fact, I first introduced that to you in episode 41 back in August last year. I'm still using it and I color code every task that I do. So I have a very simple traffic light system, really. If it's a task that I want to do more of, in fact, I can do unlimited amounts of, it's a green task. As I'm recording this, this is a green task, creating content. I can do as much of that as I want to. When it's a yellow task, it's something like talking with clients, talking with my team, that kind of thing, things that need to be done. And actually, it's important that they're done, but I don't want to do too much of them. I've got to get a balance of yellow tasks. And then I've got red tasks. Red tasks are things like reading email moving pieces of paper around, doing admin, dealing with accounts inquiries, that kind of stuff. Essentially things that (sighs) someone's got to do them somewhere, but does it really have to be me? And I've spent the last year trying to eliminate those red tasks from my life, and I'm doing a pretty good job of it. Of course, I still have some red tasks that I need to do, but increasingly that's getting a smaller and smaller and smaller pot because I'm identifying them and then finding other people that can do those tasks for me here's how you can do exactly the same thing. It's a fairly simple process. There's a bit of pain involved because you've got to be honest with yourself and truthful with yourself. Sometimes that's quite hard, isn't it? But it does start with tracking your time. And I do recommend the time alert tracker just because it's got a physical element to it. You have an eight-sided dice that you turn when you move from one task to another. If that's not really your thing, then just, go, I mean, there are hundreds of time trackers out there. Go and find the one that works best for you. It's like all software, isn't it? Don't, obsess over all the different options. Find one you like and stick with that one. But critically, you've got to measure everything you do for at least a month. And I mean everything. Every little, oh, I'm just going to do this. Every little, oh, I'm just going to do that. Every little thing you do in the evening, every phone call that you take, every bit of traveling, everything. You have to log everything that you do in your working life. And you have to categorize it as a green task, as a yellow task, or as a red task. Now, the reason I ask you to do this for a month is you're looking up to build a picture. What does your average working day or week or month look like? You know, it could be that you jump on the help desk a couple of afternoons a week just to take the pressure off your team, get some projects finished, that kind of thing. That's okay. That's a choice to do that. And even though those are red tasks, or you might put that as yellow because you're choosing to do it, but even though those are yellow tasks, that's okay. It's scheduled time. You're making a conscious choice to do it i'm looking for the little red tasks that turn up and kind of steal your time the invoice that falls over the payment that isn't made the problem with the supplier the vendor's salesperson that's on the phone that email that urgently needs your attention say your staff all of those kind of things are red tasks they come in they interrupt your day so track your time for a month track what the red tasks are maybe you could make a list of them maybe you could spot a trend trends are wonderful in data because trends Trends are your friends. I've just made that up. I'm going to use that again in the future. Trends are your friends because they tell you what's actually happening in the business. One of my MSPs I work closely with recently admitted that he will go into his PSA and review the tickets to find problems that he can fix and to find things that perhaps haven't been dealt with very well by his staff. Now, he's got some great staff. He's got some average staff, as, as many people do, but he's busy all day long. And basically, he's made himself busy by going in and checking the tickets. He shouldn't need to check the tickets. Other people are dealing with them for him, but he can't stop himself from doing it. And I suggested, exactly as I've just suggested to you, go and log your time for a month and see exactly how often you're doing that. Imagine if he was spending two to three hours a day checking other people's tickets and then meddling with them. Imagine. Now, it's okay to do that as part of a ticket review and to do that with a team, but to sit there at your desk and spend two to three hours a day, which is essentially a third of your working day, meddling with your team's work, that's not a great investment in your time, is it? Because even if you just stopped that, because in that instance, you don't even need to delegate the work to someone else. They're already doing it. If they're not doing it well enough, that's a training issue or you need a service desk manager or something like that. But imagine if you just stopped doing that instantly. Suddenly, you've got 10, 15 hours a week to invest into something else. You can invest it into growing the business or doing your marketing or going home and spending more time with your kids or with your wife or hang gliding or whatever it is that you want to do. Do you see where I'm coming at from this? You've got to know where you spend your time before you can eliminate it. So once you've got the time and you've spotted the trends, then you just pick off a red task. And you know what, don't try and do it all in one go. Try and do one a day, or if that's too much, try and do one a week. I've been delegating out my red tasks fairly slowly. It's been one every sort of two or three days. When I get annoyed, when I realize I'm doing I'm doing a red task again, why isn't someone else doing it? Then I've found someone either on my team or I've gone and found a bit of outsourced help that can do that for me. Right down to, I don't read my emails anymore. I read a small selection that's been curated for me each day by my virtual assistant, but that takes me about 10 to 15 minutes. I don't handle any invoices at all now. I wasn't doing a great deal of it before, but and I still make the payments, because i bit of a control freak when it comes to actually paying money out of the bank account, but I certainly don't handle the paperwork, or zero, or any of that. I've got a much better bookkeeper that can do that. In fact, he can do a much better job than I can. Do you get the idea? It's all of these little things that just strip the fun out of the day. Track your time, look for the trends, and then look at eliminating a single red task every week. In just five to ten weeks or so, your working day is going to be completely different. It's a revolution in how you spend your time. Here's this week's clever idea. You know what the most important page on your website is, right? It's your homepage. Predominantly because that's where the majority of your traffic enters your site. But what's the second most important page? It's the About Us page. In fact, those two are the most highly trafficked pages on your website. Go and look at your Google Analytics and you'll see that most of your traffic is on your homepage and or your About Us page. Why do people go to the About Us page? What is it that draws them there, maybe before they inquire or before they take it any further? They just wanna know about the people behind the business because people buy from people they really do. They don't buy from brands and companies. Okay, when you're talking about Ford cars and Givenchy perfume, or however you say it, I don't know. When you talk about that, yes, people are buying a brand, but they're actually buying into a lifestyle. You're buying into a Ford because it's a a lifestyle. The marketing has made you feel a certain way about a Ford. When it comes to actually doing the deal, it's the salesperson that you're dealing with. If there is a salesperson, that's where people buy from people. But in our world, in our world of selling B2B, people really do buy from people. So we should make sure the About Us page on your website is absolutely smoking. It's absolutely as best as you can possibly make it. It's so important to get that right, because if you don't engage with them on your About Us page, you're never gonna get them to inquire. And if they don't inquire, they're just a web visitor. They're not someone who could actually go on to become a prospect, an opportunity, and eventually be a client paying off your mortgage for you. So here are in no particular order a number of things that I believe you've got to have on your About Us page. The first thing is there's got to be images of you you and your team. In fact, what will be better than images is a video. Let's see a video of you and your team in action. Remember with your video, your message has got to be more about them than it is about you. People aren't really interested in you and right up until the point that they're ready to buy from you. They're interested in what you can do for them. So if you're going to have a video, don't make it all about us. It's called an about us page, but it's not really an about us page. It's it's kind of using you to talk about the website visitor about the prospect so your video should perhaps it could feature clients that would be even better because when you get the clients your clients talking about your business that's more powerful than anything But certainly, whether you do a video or not, you want some photos, really nice professional photos of you, maybe your team as well, maybe even you and your family. I love it when you've got an owner of a business and they put a photo of them and their family, their other half and their kids on their website because it makes you real, it makes you human. One of the big goals with marketing is to try and form connections with people. And you've got to throw in as many things out there. You've got to put as many things on your website as you can to try to connect with people so you're a mum or a dad you're a parent put that on there instantly you connect with all the other parents so you live in so and so area of your town and you love your town your city put that on there even if you don't love it, you could just make it up a bit. So you play golf or you like going to watch the racing or whatsoever, put that on there. You're in B&I, put that on there. Anything, anything that helps you connect to other people is something that potentially gets them engaging with your business through the website. Now the other thing that should go on there, I've mentioned having a video of your customers talking about you, but fairly high up on your About Us page, you should have some testimonials. Or better than testimonials are reviews. Get your existing clients to leave you a review on Google Reviews. Facebook or the other platform of your choice, and then take screenshots of those reviews and put them into your About Us page. Just make sure you qualify where they've come from. Essentially, you need to say, these are from our Google reviews page, and it would be sensible to have a link from there to your Google reviews page, so people can click through and see that they're real. Something else that you need on your About Us page is your story, your backstory, your origin story, if you like. Now, your origin story is probably not that interesting. It's probably, you know, you got started in business, maybe you work for someone else, or maybe you've always just had a passion for IT, or maybe you're a consultant and you got started, I don't know what, 10, 15 years ago, and you've still got client number one or client number two. That's pretty much the MSP origin story but that's okay. They're not gonna read that on dozens of websites because most MSPs don't really put their story on the website. So take your story, embellish it, enhance it, and put it on your website. But you gotta remember to tell your story in a way that's about them and not about you. So it's okay to talk about the fact you're a parent and you like golf and you do this and you're a member of this and you help out here. That's okay to talk about that, but all the rest of it has got to be more about them. How do you make it more about them than you do about you? You talk about your clients. You talk about the people you look after. You talk about the people that rely on you every day. So instead of saying, we have 20 people in our team and they do this, you would say, for example, the reason that thousands of people trust us every day is because the 20 members of our team shoot out of bed every morning and cannot wait to get to their computers to proactively stop things from going wrong for our clients. That kind of thing is absolute dynamite. Now, when you're telling your story, make sure you tell it in a way that's interesting to humans. We don't want a bland, boring story full of very dry facts that no one really finds interesting. We want human stories, human interest. You think about great movies that you go to see and they're really good stories, aren't they? It just engages with you at an emotional level that's why you've got to enhance and embellish your story. I mean, little touches can make such a big difference. For example, if you started 15 years ago, do you have a photo of you 15 years ago, perhaps at your first office desk? Have you seen that photo of Jeff Bezos at his original desk when he first started Amazon? It was a door. He's literally, his first desk was a door and that photo's knocking around the internet somewhere. Okay, Jeff Bezos doesn't really need a good about us page, but have you got a photo like that? Is there a photo of your old van from 15 years ago? You know, if it's a family business and your your parents started it, have you got a picture of your parents back in the 80s or 90s or whenever they started it? What have you got to show people? Could you show photos of your kids when they were babies when you started the business and now they're awful teenagers or what have you got? Tell us something about you. Tell us something, the human interest angle. Reveal your personality to us one of the only differentiating factors that you've got between you and your direct competitors is your unique personality. Put that personality on the website. Tell us about you, making sure that you're doing it in a way which is actually more about me. You can also do the same thing with your team. Put some photos of your team on there. Tell us a little bit about your team. I mean, the main story should really be about you, the leader of the business, but you can do that as well. But whatever you do, please avoid jargon. Don't use any any jargon at all. And there's all sorts of jargon that I see on MSPs' websites. You know, the word "user" is jargon. "User" is an awful word. It really is, as we've discussed in the podcast previously. But you know, be careful of even mentioning suppliers. So you use Datto, so you use Kaseya, so you use Enable. It doesn't mean anything to ordinary people. They've heard of Microsoft, they're vaguely aware of HP, but they don't know what Datto is because it's not their world, that's our world. And anytime you start talking about something like that, it just becomes jargon. You could argue that even using the word, the cloud, that's two words, even using two words, the cloud is jargon because they don't really understand what the cloud is. And by understand it, I mean, they can't describe in a short sentence of 20 words or less exactly what the cloud is. If they can't do that, they don't really understand it. So overall, don't forget the main goal is emotional engagement. People buy from people and they buy from people that they like. It's really critical that they form some kind of emotional bond with you, even at that point, the first few seconds that they're on your website. It's a critical thing to do. And if your About Us page hasn't got all of these elements, you've got some work to do on your website. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Oh, now this looks interesting. I'm on chapter six of this book. And chapter six is called Reduce Stress with Recurring Revenue. I like the sound of that. In fact, this is a good book. Oh, hang on a second. This is my book. It's called Updating Servers Doesn't Grow Your Business. Would you like a free paperback copy? Listen a paperback copy in your hands. If you're in the UK or the US, we will rush one to you. We will ship it completely free. All you gotta do is go to paulgreensmspmarketing.com and there on the homepage, you can request a free copy of this book. If you're anywhere else in the world, we'll happily send you a PDF. It's just we've only actually got physical printed copies in the UK and in the US. Either way, go and grab a copy of this book right now. Updating servers doesn't grow your business, it's free at paulgreensmspmarketing.com.
1: The big interview. Hi, I'm Nate Friedman. I'm the CEO of TechPro Marketing. We are a marketing agency specifically dedicated to helping MSPs generate leads.
0: Now, both myself and my clients, Nate, have noticed something over about the last sort of six, seven, eight weeks or so, and it's to do with LinkedIn. Now, I've been recommending for some time that people use automated tools with LinkedIn, things like duck soup or alternatives to that. And we've had quite a few people have had warning messages from LinkedIn about using these automated tools. Could you start by just explaining exactly what these automated tools are and then tell us what you've spotted recently about the changes that LinkedIn has put in place?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, the automated tools are, like you said, things like Duck Soup. Um, I'm not going to name uh, any more of them. I can't even name them off the top of my head. But with automated tools, basically what you're doing is you are running some type of automation where you're visiting the profiles of the people who show up in your search, or you are actually going and sending them a connection request message. So, Duck Soup is like a browser based. LinkedIn tool the messages you're getting about the browser-based tools or the to- or the tools you're using they're things that are breaking LinkedIn's terms of service so they do not allow any type of automation within their platform so that is one thing and I think it's something that they've been people have been getting I think for duck soup in particular if you've been pushing the limits you might be somebody who have who has been getting some notifications like that but also the notifications that we're seeing I think you, they might be just getting confused with some general new limitations that LinkedIn is putting on anybody. So I did notice as well that for any of our clients who had ever been slapped with like a little penalty before, the newest restrictions that they're putting on with connection requests are maybe getting enforced the hardest if you are someone who's had some issue with a browser-based tool or some other red flag that's been raised with LinkedIn. But everybody, no matter who you are, they're setting stricter limits on what you can and can't do with connection requests.
0: So tell us, tell us what you know, Nate, and I, I appreciate a lot of, I'm going to put an inverted commas here, a lot of what we know in, in, in speech marks about LinkedIn is often people just kind of figuring out for themselves, because these social media networks don't always tell us what they're changing. But what are the new connection request limits?
1: We're seeing right now, so it's right, they don't exactly tell you. And we've even asked, like we've just straight up been in a support case and to ask them what the limits are and they won't even tell us when we ask directly but what we've seen is that the highest number that you can send per week right now is 100 new connection requests for some you may be limited to something closer to 50 if they've kind of suspected you of using automation or something like that in the past and 100, it, it does sound like a lot. And I think if you are doing manual research and you're really kind of reaching out to each prospect, um, ensuring they're the right people, I think it's actually a good amount. Um, but I think in the older days when LinkedIn was maybe a little more lenient with tools like DuckSoup or any of the other automation tools, you could send up to 100 per day. Um, yeah. So you might be able to get 700 connection requests in per week. And I think we can talk about it you know, what you can do about it. But I think it's, uh, it's all part of a general trend, you know, moving away from this kind of bulk approach. Yeah, you could put in the restrictions and say that, um, you know, LinkedIn's restrictions are causing us to put a little more effort into our outreach. But I think with LinkedIn's restrictions or not, we all had to do that anyway, because you can see that LinkedIn has just become such a crowded platform. You know,
0: yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. And you know, we'll come on to best practice in a second because I know you use your agency uses LinkedIn quite a lot to generate leads for your clients. The, the this restriction of a hundred, I mean, that's great to have a, a figure to work towards, and it makes complete sense that LinkedIn is trying to push everyone to do more quality connections instead of a higher quantity of connections. Is that limit for Sales Navigator? People, so to explain uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Sales Navigator is, is LinkedIn subscription. So most people use the free version, but you can pay an extra fee and, and use LinkedIn more extensively. So, Nate, do you know if that connection limit is Sales Navigator or is it just for just for the free accounts?
1: That's for the sales navigator. Um, So for us, what we've seen is with the basic level sales navigator subscription, which is at around 80 US dollars, um, we've been getting that 100 connection limit per week. I think there are some options now. LinkedIn has kind of recently changed their premium offerings and now they have a Teams edition. Um, We have not tested this yet. Um, If you're on the LinkedIn sales navigator teams, do you potentially have a higher connection request threshold or, you know, limit there? Maybe it might be a way that they are pushing people towards it. But we found that if you're using the regular sales navigator, yeah, you're at a hundred. So what's some of the best
0: practice for LinkedIn? Because we all know that LinkedIn, as much as it can be a bit depressing sometimes going on there, it's like being at a bad networking meeting, isn't it? You know, where everyone seems to be selling. But LinkedIn is a great way to reach virtually any prospect that you could ever want to reach. What kind of things does your agency do? So what's the best practice to use LinkedIn to generate
1: leads? where we started this conversation talking about using an automation tool and um, that is something where we kind of started um three or four years ago you know using more of a bulk approach. But I think over the the last three or four years, I think we've all seen this major shift in LinkedIn where maybe three or four years ago, you were, some people weren't even using it. And now a lot more people are using it. And three or four years ago, a lot less people were using it as this um, sales tool where it is this great sales tool. So I think what we're seeing now is if you're someone who's logged into LinkedIn, you're seeing a lot of people send you connection request messages. They maybe want to learn about you. They maybe want to share something about their business, but if you're anything like me, every time you log in, you might get five or 10 new connection request messages. So I think the biggest thing that you can do as an MSP if you're using LinkedIn is make sure that your connection request message and your profile really stand out as something that is authentic and relevant and something that people are going to want to accept. If you are a business who is just some random business somewhere that works with businesses all over the country, I think you're in a little bit of a more difficult situation. Um, but I think if you're like a lot of MSPs and I know you guys are doing stuff like this Paul, focusing on your local markets, I think it does make that is one thing that makes it a lot easier to stand out because they see, okay, this is not just some random person trying to sell me something. this is somebody who is in my local network. they're connected with 20 of the same people as me. They live eight miles from me. He's got an authentic profile. And in the message where he's connecting with me, he said something that, you know, only someone who's legitimately reaching out to me could say.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So it seems more relevant. And we all know that the more relevant something is, the greater the results are. Now, let's talk about content on LinkedIn. So there's loads of, well, there seems to be loads of content. I did read a stat somewhere that fewer than 5% of LinkedIn active users actually post content on a weekly basis. But what are your recommendations for using content to warm people up and catch people's attention on LinkedIn?
1: I've heard you talk about this in your podcast before that you love the idea of building an audience through LinkedIn. Going and making those connections. And then once you're connected, they're going to see your content. Um, so, my suggestion here is to um, vary your content. You know, I think it's great to, if you're doing some types of posts um, each day that are, you know, on different topics and people are going to view those and maybe you'll get some likes and things like that. Um, but I think if you can record a video every once in a while, even if it's just from your iPhone or you're sitting at your desk with your webcam and you've got something to kind of jam out about, um, I think getting comfortable on video is going to make um, you get a lot more interaction with your content on LinkedIn. I think another thing is to post some uh, comments yourself to your own content, um, asking some of your friends in your network what they think about the topic and trying to get other people involved in your content besides yourself. And even going so far as doing things like events and Um, creating a LinkedIn event and inviting your network to join that. LinkedIn has a new feature where you can actually do a newsletter that is on the LinkedIn platform and get your network to subscribe to your newsletter. So I think that's one actually thing about LinkedIn that's got a lot of strengths. And I didn't even talk about going live yet. Um, There are so many different ways to get your content out on LinkedIn. So I think vary them, try different ones. And, you know, I think some get um, more views than others and, um, It starts with your basic post, but then it goes all the way into something like a live stream or or a LinkedIn webinar.
0: I have to mention um, Praveen Ramesh from superops.ai, who is actually going to be on the podcast in about seven weeks time because he's, a, he's a, a marketing genius. I've wanted to get on yeah. for, for ages, but they uh, have done a whole load of LinkedIn posts over the last few months. And that's an absolute masterclass in how to tag people. So rather than just randomly tagging you know, people that they know that they hope will, will sort of comment on it and share the message, they've put together things like, uh, for example, I think I think they did you know, the top, the top 20 MSP podcasts to listen to. And and all of those twenty people, they tagged all of those people. So there's, there's me and nineteen other people who do MSP podcasts jumping onto LinkedIn to promote our podcast because we've been given an opportunity by by Praveen and his team. So it's been it's been a very 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 clever uh, from them. As I say, a, a complete masterclass in, in how to do that. Um, Nate, thank you so much for your uh, knowledge about LinkedIn. I think we've, we've learned some amazing things there. Let's get you back on the show in about six months time because I know you've got a lot to share as well about email outreach and other kinds of content marketing. Just give us tell us a little bit more about what you do for MSPs and how we can get in touch with you.
1: Thank you. I'd love to come back. Um, And we've got a lot of topics to dig into. Um, So, we are an MSP marketing agency. We work with MSPs all across North America um, and we help them generate leads. We work As an outsourced marketing department, a lot of times like our clients work as a outsourced IT department for their clients. Um, And our main focus is really just to help you grow your business. So there's a lot of different things that we do. LinkedIn is a huge part of a lot of what we're doing, but you know, there's a lot of other channels, a lot of other strategies that are appropriate um, and we'll apply those, but all for the end result of helping our clients grow their business. So that's our number one goal. If you guys want to find us, website is techpromarketing.com. Find me on LinkedIn. My name is Nate Friedman. You can follow me there. Um, I'll post any of the content that we're putting out as well. And you can see kind of a few articles, blog posts, webinars, things like that coming out of us each month as well.
0: But if we do connect to you on LinkedIn, don't use an automated
1: tool. (laughs) Yeah. If I can get confused between you and, um, you know, some of the other 18 other connection requests I'm getting from some. People from who knows where, or whatever they're trying to get at me, I probably will not accept it. But if you mention this podcast, I definitely will.
0: Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. This week's recommended book. I'm Rebecca Finken. I'm with Traction for Success. A book I'd like to recommend is called Who Not How by Dan Sullivan and Dr. Benjamin Hardy. And it's about a mindset shift. And it gets you to think about being more productive. That leads to finding your who, because it's not about you doing everything. It's finding people that you can surround yourself with to create more productivity in your day-to-day life. Coming up next week. Hi, I'm Derek Morgan from Nexon Asia Pacific Channel Business. And next week I'm going to be on the show to talk how you can use learning and development to elevate the conversations that you're having
1: and take the selling out of the process of engaging with new and existing clients and the opportunities that that can bring to your MSP.
0: We're also going to look at how to get free publicity in the media, in newspapers, magazines, radio stations, maybe TV, and certainly online on news blogs and on forums. The answer is to send out a press release. We'll look next week at what kind of things you'd send out in your press release and exactly how you do it. We're also going to look at commission only salespeople. I believe commission only salespeople are the most dangerous people that you could possibly bring into your business. They can do real harm. I'll tell you why and what the better alternative is in next week's show. See you then. Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP Marketing
1: Podcast.